This is the Fast Five Podcast, hosted by Blaze Fields and Sam Sinclair. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fast Five Podcast. This one, this one's a bit of a special one because I am here on location in Columbia, Missouri, home of, of course, the Mizzou Tigers. And I am here with a very, very special guest host, my dear friend, Jake Durbin, coming from us all the way from the great city of Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised. I think, are you, were you born and raised? No, I was born and raised. And actually, Memphis is a state, not a city. So, Memphis is, is that right? Memphis is a state? No, nah, we don't identify with the rest of Tennessee. Okay. Memphis is its own state. It's its own bubble. It's like Washington, it D.C. Yeah. Okay. So. I, I like it. I like it. Well, anyway, Jake, he is a huge, huge Memphis basketball fan. Huge I mean, we all are Mizzou Tigers fan for better for better or for worse uh, nowadays. But yeah, we got a lot of interesting topics to to get into, Jake. So uh man, let's just let's just get right into it. So first up, I wanted to talk to you because you are a self-proclaimed Memphis Grizzlies super fan. Uh and they are on top of the world right now. Not not something I would have personally expected, but they're sitting right now three seed in the West, thirty one and sixteen, just barely behind the big dogs, Golden State yeah. and Phoenix. And I kind of wanted to get your opinion and analysis on this sort of breakout season for John Morant and his and the rest of this Grizzlies basketball team. Well, I mean, if you've been around and you've you've seen Jaw, if you were at Murray State and you saw him play, I mean, he really burst onto the scene when he played in the NCAA tournament that one year. But, like, anyone who's seen John Moran up close, it wasn't hard to predict that he'd be something special. And, like, there's a reason he was the number two pick in that draft. And, honestly, thank God we got the number two pick. Yeah. Not the number one pick. Because I would not – I would pick a jaw a hundred times over again. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. He is the best thing to ever happen to the city of Memphis basketball-wise. Like, and, honestly, this was not the Memphis team I expected to – make headlines this year because our college team was supposed to be really, really good, and they have been really disappointing. But John Morant, like, I mean, even I am a little surprised that he is basically, he's like, people are floating his name in MVP conversations. Oh, yeah. You know, I always thought that that was a possibility in the future, but, you know, third year in the league, not something I expected. Um, but you know, it's not just Ja, it's the culture that we've been building. And I've always liked the way that, uh, we went about rebuilding, you know, after we kind of, we shed the grit and grind identity, which was, you know, kind of bittersweet, but I think we approached it in the right way. Like we, we went out and we acquired plenty of young talent. We got draft picks, you know, we got rid of our old GM who was kind of running the team into the ground. Um, and like, I could not have rebuilt the team better if I had tried. And we had to get lucky because we got Jaron, we got Ja, some of that stuff fell into our laps for sure. But, um, we're building something special because like, you know, it's, it's guys that you would never expect. Like Dylan Brooks, his intent, he brings intensity every night that you can't get from anywhere else. Desmond Bain is like front runner for most improved. Like he just came out of nowhere. Um, we have one of the best backup point guards in the league, Tyus Jones. I think he led the league in assist-to-turnover ratio last year. He's about as steady of a hand as you can get. Huge reason why we were able to, you know, win while Ja was out with injury is because he was such a steady hand at point guard. Um, 
And, of course, Jaron, there's been some questions about him. He's been injured a lot. But when he's on the court, he can take over a game. Uh, he has the size. He has the range to do it. Um, and, of course, I mean, what can I say about Jaw that has already been said? I mean, dude, he really reminds me of Derrick Rose in his prime. But it's almost like he is just as explosive, but he makes smart decisions, too. He will wait for his shots. He will be patient around the basket. Um, he's, you can tell he is a very high IQ player. It's very obvious from the way you see him play, um, his shot selection. He can find teammates. Um, his motor is obviously incredible. I mean, the only concern really was his shooting, and even that is starting to come around. Like, he's, his three-point percentage is going up. There was one game he shot perfect from three. He was like six for six from three, had a bunch of points. Like, honestly, like, he can be the best player on a championship team. And I'm just hoping it's the Grizzlies one day. But um, this is, like, the most excited I've ever seen the city about the Grizzlies since they got here, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, 20, 25. Yeah. Um, well, 25, they were in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right, you're right. Um, they moved to Memphis in 01. And you got to understand something. Memphis is a basketball town, but it's always been Tigers first, which is the college team. It's always been a Tiger town. And it still is. As much as the Tigers have underwhelmed this year, there's always going to be a certain sentiment that, like, you know, we feel more connected to the Tigers because they've always been around. We, they've been here since, like, Basketball started to be played in Memphis. It was just they're in they're an institution. They've been to the highest peaks, you know, and you know Penny Hardaway came back and he's put us back on the national stage. But really, this is the moment the Grizzlies have. They've almost superseded the Tigers as the the best ticket in town, which I never thought would happen. Um, but I'm I'm here for it because this team can be special. And I can't wait to see what they do this year. And the best thing is, with the youth we have, this is going to be a multi-year thing. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Which and I'm I, for. I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted to get your opinion. Is look, this is a this is a very young team heading into the the back half of the season, and I kind of want to get your opinions for whenever playoffs come around. This is a team that you know they had sort of that play in tournament experience. They beat Golden State. They uh they they got bounced first round, um. But I want to know: Do you think that they have a shot for a deeper run this year? Even with their sort of kind, after only sort of dipping their toes into the whole playoff thing last season. Oh, absolutely. Because I think the most important thing to know about this team is they will not back down from anybody. They've gone at golden. They've gone at the best teams in the league: Golden State, the Lakers. Well, the Lakers, I guess, aren't one of the best teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And, I mean, they go into these environments that you can't imagine a young team like this, you know, that they, they've never seem rattled. When they're on the ropes, they punch back harder. And, I mean, last year they got bounced in the first round, but they went in and took a game in Utah. That is true. Nobody that is true. Do. And, like, that was – and they were not the team this year that they were last year. They were better. So, I mean, sure, maybe they get bounced in, like, the second round, but they're going to scare the heck out of somebody. At the very least, they are going to give somebody problems, and I know other teams. If you ask around, they don't want to play them. Oh. Warriors don't want to play us. the The Suns don't want to play us. The Jazz don't want to. Nobody wants to play us. I know, because we'll go into your house and beat you by twenty if you're not careful. And I, in the intensity our team brings every night, we don't back down from anybody. That's one of the most valuable things 
a team can have, especially an up and coming team. So, yeah, it's you know your your description of the Memphis Grizzlies uh, strikes fear into my heart as a fan. <laughs> Even as a as a fan of an Eastern Conference team, it still strikes fear into my heart. Uh, you don't want to play us in the finals, man. Uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, that's five. We'll uh, head on to the next one. All right, so, Jay, keeping with the uh, NBA talk, uh, let's talk the Los Angeles Lakers. They suffered a huge 111-104 to defeat to drop them under the 500 mark to the struggling Indiana Pacers. And at the final 3-minute and 52 mark, Russell Westbrook was sent to the bench by Frank Vogel after only scoring 14 points on a horrendous 5-for-17 shooting. This has been kind of the the storyline for these Lakers is Russell Westbrook not being the big-name acquisition that this team needed, and it's, it's caused a lot of problems. So, Jake, what do you make of the whole Russell Westbrook getting benched at the, basically, you know, at the deciding moments of this game? And do you think this is a trend that will continue to the future? Do you think that Russell Westbrook's role on this Los Angeles Lakers team is shrinking before his very eyes. I mean, honestly, the decision doesn't surprise me because, you know, you would have never benched MVP Westbrook or even, like, Westbrook from, like, two years ago when he was on the Rockets at that point in a game. But clearly the Westbrook we've been seeing this year is not is not the same Russell Westbrook. Like, it's... Something has happened. Yeah. Um, something about the system... You know, they, granted, they have had some injuries. They're missing Anthony Davis. But, like, um, it seems like this really reminds me of when the Lakers... Now, granted, this was just when I was getting into sports. But yeah, when they won those titles with Kobe and they tried to retool around him to make mm-hmm. one last push, they went out, they got Dwight Howard. Yep. They got Steve Nash. He was, like, 40 years old. Yep. Um, and Pau Gasol was, obviously, he was getting older. Um and this kind of reminds me of what they tried to do back then. They're trying to force pieces together that, you know, y- you have some skepticism about it working, and then when it doesn't work, people start asking a lot of questions. But, like, I'm not going to say I saw this coming, because, like, I thought they would be better. Because when you have a certain amount of talent on a team, you expect them to expect them to do something. Yeah, like, yeah. Talent can save you from a lot of things. It can make up for shortcomings. But it seems like Russell Westbrook, He's not being allowed to play how he is used to playing. Um, because if you're on a team with LeBron, you're going to play how LeBron wants. Oh, yeah, for sure. LeBron is going to be the best player on every team yeah. he's on. So uh, you march to his drum, and I just don't think Westbrook is a player that's used to doing that sort of thing. Um, and the last time that started to happen, uh, him and KD broke up. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just I, I would have made the same decision. If someone was shooting five for seventeen and they weren't helping the flow of the game, maybe they would have lost by even more than they did if they left Westbrook down. That's probably what I would have done if I was Frank Vogel. And you're not going to take any chances on a player like that who's been really inconsistent. If apparently his job is like in jeopardy, major, like he's yeah, probably, I would not be surprised if he gets fired by the end of the week. But you know, it's a tough situation in L.A. Yeah, and I do you pin the faults of this Lakers team on the general management, how this team is built? Do you pin it on the coaching, or do you pin it on Russell Westbrook not fitting like they wanted it to? I could I could see it being a little of everything. Because, you know, I feel like this Lakers management is kind of taking a hands-on approach. The Lakers have always been like a hands-on team. Oh, for sure. Down. 
Um, and that's not LeBron's style. LeBron's style is, um, here's what we need to do. You guys listen or I'll leave. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it worked in Miami. It worked in Cleveland the second time. Um, but this time, it seems like, you know, I would, I would severely doubt that LeBron is not ready to make a change mm-hmm. in some sort. Um, and... I think that change is actually warranted because, yeah. you know, it's clear that something's not working. You know, I don't know how he feels about Wessel Westbrook as, like, a teammate, but it's clear that the system they're running is not very effective. And that could be that could be Vogel. His system may not be as effective, you know, with what they're – how they need to win basketball games. I'm sure Anthony Davis missing isn't helping at all. But, um, you know, you can't – with a team that has that much star power – you know they should be able to do better. So something's got to give. Yeah, and you know. I think a lot of what it a lot of what it translates to is the fact that they just don't have any guys who can shoot the ball like yeah. that. I mean that was evident from the start, and that was a big red flag everyone threw up. Yeah, in the NBA you really can't have just a bunch of guys that can't shoot because it's really easy to blow up your whole offense if it's oh, that way. Oh, for sure. It doesn't matter how effective slash how effective the slashers you have are, like because you know. LeBron and Westbrook are two guys that have never struggled getting the basket, but, like, you got to put some shooters around them, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, and I saw something that said Russell Westbrook has, like, the single worst field goal percentage in the entire league in the month of January among, like, players that have a certain number of shots. He's shooting, like, 32% from the field. Uh, he's not an all-star anymore. No. Like, he's, you know, something's got to give on that. His role's got to change. Because LeBron is still proving he is one of the best players in the whole league. Yeah, and, and, and night out. And he still has the mindset Russ does of yeah. I need to be the one shooting the ball because he's used to being that alpha on the team. Yeah. And I think it's hurting the team in a lot of ways, especially considering the fact that, you know, you really want LeBron taking those no you game do. shots. Yeah. I mean, and Westbrook has just got to realize what's more important to him, still being that guy or winning basketball games because he chose to – he wanted to come to L.A. Mm-hmm. He accepted that and, like, he, he should have known going in that this is going to be LeBron's team. So – He's got to take what comes with that. And I feel like if he does a better job of that, the w- winning the games will come eventually. But they better figure it out fast because uh, something will give if they don't start trending in the other direction. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move on to some college hoops. All right, so another reason why I brought Jake onto the podcast to be the, uh, the guest co-host is his role as... Um, I'm a basketball beat writer. Basket man-eater. Yeah, basketball beat writer for the man-eater for the Missouri men's basketball team. Now, the Missouri Tigers aren't the most uh, aren't the most prestigious thing to write about. I mean, it is a pretty prestigious job, I will say. I'm, I'm very jealous. But it's maybe not the best season to be a beat writer for them, as they're currently sitting at 8-9 and nine. Um, overall. They're sitting 2-3 and three in the SEC uh, in front of South Carolina, Ole Miss, Georgia. Georgia has a terrible basketball team. Um, they've got a tough slate of uh, of basketball games coming up. They got Bama on the road. They got Auburn at home on Tuesday. And then you said... Uh, They're visiting Ames to play Iowa State. Yeah, we're visiting the big Ames. I'm excited. Um, so, Jake, I kind of want to ask... It's been kind of a... It's been a very, a very much a down year for this Missouri team. And I kind of want to ask, what do you think is the biggest issue that Quanzo Martin, or Conzo Martin and this basketball team has been dealing with... Uh, this season? 
Well, they did have some problems with COVID at one point. They had some guys out. I feel like that did disrupt the, the flow a little bit. Yeah. But they've had a lot of problems all season. I feel like Kwanzo, I think he's a good coach. But a couple things he could do better, and I think they have gotten better. They, they're starting to settle in realizing how they need to play. Um, like the game they won against Old Miss the other night. Yeah. They won big, and it was because they stuck to their style of basketball. And Mizzou's style of basketball, the way they need to play, you go 100% on defense the whole time. And if you play good enough defense, it'll translate into offense. Yeah. They held Ole Miss to, like, horrendous shooting percentages the whole night. And they led on second chance points. They destroyed them on the glass. And, like, that's what you need to do. Um, I think it was an adjustment for Kwanzaa just from – it was going to be hard for any coach, the amount of roster turnover he had to deal with. Like, you're getting Javon Pickett and Kobe Brown and Jordan Wilmore. The only three players you've got coming back. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is new, whether they're freshmen or they're transfers from other places. Um, you go from being, like, at one point a top-10 team in the country, solid NCAA tournament eight seed to, like – projected to be below, way at the bottom of the SEC, pretty much. Um, it's just tough to deal with that. Because Kwanzaa, last year I feel like the team relied a lot on guys that could make plays in isolation. you got Xavier Tillman, you had Drew Smith, you had Mark Smith, you had Jeremiah Tillman who could carve up defenses and down low in the block. They don't have that kind of, they don't have those kind of electric players anymore. Yeah. I mean, other than Kobe Brown, they don't have someone you can give the ball to and you can expect them to go score, no matter, like, the ball is in their head. The game is in their hands. I think this team has some great pieces on their own, and when they play good team basketball and solid defense collectively as a unit, that's how they succeed. I just think Kwanzo. It took him a little time to readjust his system to those style of players because yeah. he was used to playing with guys like you had a few lead guys that could really take over games, and then you had a bunch of supporting players. Now it's like more. You have great, good supporting players that. They're really good if they stick to their roles, and then you have one or two guys that can do a little bit of everything. Um, they do rely a lot on Kobe Brown, which, you know, Kobe Brown is a monster, but, like, he gets in foul trouble because yeah. he's, on. He's you know, he's an aggressive player, as he should be, but, like, when he gets two fouls and gets sent to the bench, the team collapses. Yeah. That can't happen. Like, you've got to figure out a way to survive and keep the other team at bay while Kobe Brown has to take that seat on the bench because that's going to keep happening, I mean, just the way he plays inside. Um, but when he's on the floor and they, they run the offense through him like they should, um, they can win games, yeah. and I've seen them do it. So a great the Ole Miss game was just great because Kobe Brown was not the – I mean, he did not have an outstanding night, but the rest of the team stepped up and picked up the slack, and they all played good defense. And then you have a game like Alabama where everybody else plays the roles and they let Kobe Brown take over. And that was another game where they played tremendous. And Kobe Brown had a career high. He had 30 points, like 13 rebounds. He dominated. So those are the two type of games that they need to play. You know, run it through Kobe Brown. If that doesn't work, the other guys need to pick up the slack. Keep the defensive intensity on all the time. Yeah. And so. I, I wanted to point this out. A very a very familiar name to uh, most of our listeners would be Trevon Brazil from Kickapoo High School. Uh, he's kind of come on lately as this sort of he like has. spark plug player that they've put into the starting lineup. Um, what do you have to say about the revelation that this kid's been as a as a freshman coming from, you know, Springfield, Missouri? 
I mean, you know, he's he's not someone yet who you look at the stat sheet and you're amazed by what you see. But his if you watch the games, you actually see him on the court. His presence is undeniable. Like on down low, his length is insane. Um, I think he could it could help him to bulk up a little bit. Yeah, and then he'd be even more effective. But he's really he's got a shot too. If he's open, he's a threat to hit from mid range all the way out to three. Um, he just cleans up so much inside and. He is a spark plug. Ever since they inserted him into the starting lineup, the team's been playing different. And yeah. I think, you know, just off his athleticism alone is something the team was missing, really, was a guy that's just big down low like that and can take advantage of, like, his wingspan and his length. I think it's something the team needed, and when they finally got that, he was out the first few games. I think it was injury or eligibility, some reason. But when he started playing off the bench, you could tell something was different. And then when they Kwanzaa finally started him, it was during the COVID stuff that they had to insert him into the starting lineup. Yeah. And I can tell you now, that was one of the best decisions Martin has made this season is he finally they finally have a core starting lineup, pretty much. And Brazil, I like the decision to start him. I think it'll only help his development and you know, he's already making an impact on the court. And it's gonna the the more he settles in, he's only gonna get better. It's gonna be better for the team. Gotcha. All right, well, it's going to be an exciting back half of this Mizzou season, and it uh, should be interesting to see how they do in the SEC tournament. Let's uh, let's move on to some playoff football. All right, so NFL playoffs. We're heading into the divisional round. Now, your Tennessee Titans got the first round by, so they have a pretty interesting matchup against the Cincinnati, the Joe Burrs, the Joe Shiesty. It's, uh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm very, I'm very interested to see... Uh, that, I think it's probably going to be one of the better games on the slate. Might even be the best game. Yeah, my, be my question is, what's what's your prediction for this Tennessee Titans Cincinnati Bengals football game? I mean, I'm optimistic. You know, uh, I mean, obviously we've got uh, the beast himself, Derrick Henry, returning from his long hiatus on the injured list. A little bit of a hibernation, yes. Say perfect timing. Um, and I think Derrick Henry just does something to NFL defenses that no one else can do. Yeah. I mean, it takes probably minimum two, three guys to tackle that guy. Yeah. But, you know, I'm surprised how well the Titans managed without him. Um, it, it Credit to them, how they've done when they were on the ropes. Um, the Chiefs were really starting to catch on. Yeah. But they've beaten some of the best teams in the NFL this year. I mean, hey, they did beat I mean, the they beat the Chiefs at they full beat strength. Beat the Chiefs. But, I mean, but the thing that scares me is they also lost to the Jets. And, yeah. You know, they lost to other teams they should not have lost to. But, you know, I've heard people floating ideas like these Titans are the worst number one seed playoff history. I don't buy that. Yeah, I, I really don't. I think people don't give the team enough credit. Some people may say that, you know, the bye is going to make them rusty. And, you know, they played the Texans in the last week. They're not used to playing that premier competition. I think they're going to come out looking for something to prove. Mm-hmm. But granted, the Bengals, I mean, I would not want to play the Bengals in the playoffs. They have a lot of ex- – they're really explosive on offense. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have Joey B. Joey B, Joe um, Shiesty, Jay I will admit, I mean, he has lived up to the billing for sure. Um, and, they, of course, they have Jamar Chase, who yeah. had a breakout year, is insanely talented. Um, and they have Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. solid backfield. Uh, I'm excited for the game. I think it will be really entertaining, if nothing else. Um, it's in Nashville. I think that gives the Titans a little bit of an edge. Um, I think they come out with a tough victory. It'll definitely be hard fought. 
and I think it'll get them ready for the challenge that awaits them in the next round if they do win. Um, but honestly, I would not be surprised if the Bengals come in and pull the upset. No. Because um, I think, you know, they've played above expectations all season. I think they can live up to it. Um, but I think the Titans have played above expectations too. Yeah. And I think they're generally they're a more well-rounded team, and I think they have – they full well – could come out of there with a win that sends the doubters running. Yeah, because they're like they're like eighth in the odds to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're like yeah. The number one seed in the AFC. I don't think that's very fair. And I I think so. it's, I think it's I think it all comes down to the defenses. Honestly, you know everybody likes to talk about these offensive weapons, yeah. but the Bengals they do not have a very good defense whatsoever. And I w- I mean I'd like to point out you know it took an all time great game by Jamar Chase to you know, beat the Chiefs by two points at home. I think that the Titans, if Derrick Henry is up to speed, like the you know, I think I think that yeah. I mean it's it's not like this is an ACL Achilles injury. No. This was a this was a Liz Frank foot injury that kept him off his feet for a couple weeks. I think that if he comes back at game speed I don't know if the Bengals are going to have an answer for it. I really don't. I think there's going to be some adjustment in game because he's going to have to get used to, you know, game again. But, like, yeah. I know this isn't indicative of that, but I've seen him warming up. I've seen videos. He looks like he's ready. Yeah. Like, I, you know, looks like he's ready. Yeah. So. Um, another, another big game, Bills-Chiefs on the other side of the AFC bracket. I will... Ninety with ninety nine percent certainty, will can say that I will be there at Arrowhead for that game. I want to get real quick your opinion. Are the Bills pulling off the upset, or are the Chiefs steamrolling their way into no. a third, fourth straight AFC Championship no. game? I think I think the Chiefs pretty much. I I think their experience is something that can't be overstated. Um, you know, they've been there. Mahomes is as solid as it comes in the playoffs. Um, I just think this Bills team isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Um, granted, they have a lot of talent. Josh Allen has a hell of an arm. He's very explosive on his feet, but he's not. He's not the same player in the clutch as Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah. Um, and the Chiefs have just been on a roll since they got out of that funk at the beginning of the season. I think they're on a mission. Um, yeah. I think it's going to take a team better than the Bills to stop them, and I think it's going to be. If, as long as they're playing at Arrowhead, it's very tough to go win a game in that place. So, like, I see, I could see them losing at Tennessee in the AFC Championship. I could see them losing the Super Bowl. Could I? It's hard to, for me to imagine them losing this game. All right. Well, I I I hope you're right, Jake. But if <laughs> not, you hope I'm it, right. if not, it's uh, it's gonna be a sad car ride back from KC. <laughs> It'd be fun if we get a Titans Chiefs AFC Championship. Oh yeah, we gotta watch run it. it. Run it back again. Run it back again. I'd be I'd be very excited for that one. All right, well, we'll head on to our last topic of discussion. All right, so while there hasn't been a lot of big baseball news because of the uh, MLB lockout basically freezing free agency uh, inside the league, I will say Cardinals, they made a they made a little free agent acquisition uh, from overseas they did. earlier this past... Uh, I saw that kid hitting home runs. Yeah. Looks dangerous. Looks very Looks very dangerous. But the big news coming from uh, coming from the MLB sphere is that the Tampa Bay Rays will not be the Tampa Bay Montreal Rays 
for the next season. You know, there's a lot of talk about the whole splitting time, splitting stadium type deal. Yeah, that's a good question. What would they even be called? Would they hyphenate the cities like I, that? I don't know. Would it be the Tampa Bay Rays of Montreal, little Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim type deal? That's disgusting. Ugh. Disgusting to think. I mean, at least Anaheim's in the same state. Yeah, no, this is a different country. I mean, yeah. it's crossing the border. They're the they're the world the worldwide rays. That's that's an incredibly hard thing cross to say. Ca- cross Canada rays. Yeah, the North American <laughs> North American rays. You know, that sounds like yeah. a, good, a real team. It really the, comes off the a team to bring us all together in these trying times. The North American rays. So it's not going to be happening though. Uh, much to the disappointment of I don't know people who like uh, those two people in Montreal. Yes, yeah, five people in yeah. Montreal. However, they haven't ruled out a full on relocation to Canada. So my question to you, Jake, is if you are the owner of the Tampa Bay Rays, would you, A, stay in Tampa Bay, you know, maybe get a new stadium Oakland A style, or are you packing it up, going north of the border, and going to the land of the French Canadians, Montreal? I mean, look, first of all, if there's any Canadians listening to this, I love Canada. I think they really got robbed when the Expos moved. Oh, for sure. I think they did. They're like Seattle in the NBA. It it feels right for there to be a team there. Yeah. But I just think league expansion is the proper way to do it. Because I yeah. think there's other... One, there's other teams that deserve... There's other cities that deserve a team. Oh, for sure. Um, but I think that there's no reason... I mean, Tampa Bay has a fan base down there. And I think, you know, the only reason they don't get more attendance... Because it's not the team being... The team's good. The team's amazing. good, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's Tropicana. It, yeah, the stadium, I mean... For lack of a better term, pardon my French, it's it's a shitty stadium. Oh, for um, sure. And, like, it, it's a nightmare for the fans to get to because it's not even in Tampa. It's in St. Petersburg. Oh, yeah. And they have to, like, go through a ton of traffic to get there. So I would, if I was the owner, I would do everything in my power to get a new stadium because I don't think it's fair to rip that team away from the city there. I think there's a good sports fan base in the Tampa Bay area. I mean, all their teams are good consistently. Mm-hmm. Nobody really talks about it, but since the last three, four years at least, I mean, Buc- Buccaneers, Lightning, Rays, they've all been contenders um, in their respective sports. So I just think that, you know, as much as it would be cool to see a team in Montreal, um, I think the Rays deserve to stay where they are. They do. I think they do deserve a new stadium. I, I hope that they get that done because I think – the baseball fans in Tampa deserve a team. Yeah. Um, I am glad that they kind of nixed this idea, though, because there would be nothing worse than giving two cities half a team. Oh, for sure. I just, I never saw the feasibility of that. I never saw it as a practical solution to any of the problems. It was like a half-baked band-aid solution to all the problems. Yeah. And it, it just would have been a headache. Really? It would. I think it was going to piss more people off than no, it, like, I it makes too, it happen. Yeah. Because... If you think about it, I mean, all these Expo fans, they're not get, they're not getting the Expos. They're getting no, the they're getting off. half the Rays. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I wouldn't it, it'd be like you're getting a minor league team for half the season. It it would just be weird. Like yeah. I and that commute for the that would obviously I don't think the players would like the idea of having two different homes in Tampa yeah. and they would trip. never get a I mean like, they already don't get free agent signings, but they would never no yes. ever get I mean, how are you gonna, how are you gonna sell that to players who want to come to your team? Like, oh, you know, you're going to have to relocate to another country for half the year, and you're going to have to, that I mean, be away from your family for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's just not realistic. No, definitely not. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's, Mm-mm. it's, 
it was just a very dumb idea, and it was something. It was something when I first heard about it. I was like, "Come on, this is this." I was like, fake. "Yeah, this got to be fake." Sounds like something that somebody cooked up while they were on some sort of substance. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, Florida, you know, Florida. No, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You but know, the humidity down there gets people pretty lightheaded. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I definitely, I definitely think that if we see if we see league expansion, I'd be definitely all for a Montreal team. Yeah, they deserve a real team of their own. That's something that's very important. And Tampa Bay deserves a team. So really, yeah. I think the MLB could be a thirty-two team league. Who knows if that's going to happen anytime soon? But I think if you ask people, baseball fans in Montreal, they're going to want a team they can call their own. Yeah. No matter how long it takes, because it'll just be better for the city. Yeah. And baseball in general. Yeah, so. I hey baseball. They don't, you know, they need about all the money they can get right now. So no, if they can, if they, they can gotta get, figure out some way to change, get a little bit more money from those expansion teams, it'll work. All right, Jake. Well, that's uh, that's all we've got for today's episode of Fast Five. It's been a pleasure, yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Of well. course, man. You know, I was I was a little bit. I knew I knew you were a very good, very good talker, very good sportsman. But yeah. you know, you've been for our first guest or our first guest co-host. Pretty freaking good job. So, I'm glad. Uh, big ups to you, man. Maybe I get invited back. Oh, of course, of course. Anytime, man. Anytime you want. But yeah, no. Thanks so much for uh, for showing up, and thank you guys for listening. Uh, you guys know where to find us: Fast Five Podcast on Spotify at Fast Five Pod on Instagram. And can I follow me at JC Durbin07 on Twitter for all the Mizzou basketball updates you could ever want? Yeah, of course. No, if you got anything else to yeah. plug, go ahead and plug it. Yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, just the Twitter? All right. At JCDurbin07, yeah. underscore Durbs on Instagram. Of course, of course. You know, he's got, he, yeah. if you want some Memphis basketball tweets and you want some Missouri men's basketball updates, this your yeah, guy. Right, this your guy right here. John Morant, all-star retweets. I know the Venn diagram of Memphis basketball fans and Missouri Blue? basketball fans no, yeah. is... Uh, no, it doesn't cross over much. It doesn't cross like, over much. If but it does, I'm definitely the place you need to he's be. He's the guy. He's yeah. the guy. But yeah, no, thank you so much, guys, and we will see you very soon.